because he's trying to be king. And that is the biggest problem you could possibly have. And it doesn't matter whether you're outside in a cage or somewhere comfortable. If you don't have the king in your life, you have nothing. glory everybody how y'all doing tonight man I love those films Hume SoCal y'all are the bomb and I just want to shout out real quick the candle fixtures that were on the table with the spoons I just the, y'all did it y'all did a fantastic job hallelujah hallelujah all right y'all ready to get into the word of God oh I know I know you've had a long day I know you've been Kanjabian and can canon. I know you've been running up and down heels. You've been eating things. You've been doing all the things. But I got to know, are you ready to get into the word of God? Oh, you can do better than that. Are you ready to get into the word of God? All right. So I'm going to have you turn to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And while you are getting there, the challenge from the first night was this idea of getting our Daniel on, or the character in, 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 the, in the movie, her name is Darlene or Darla? Darlene. Darlene. So we can say, get your Daniel on or get your Darlene on, amen? Get your Daniel on. Now, if I gave you a choice, if I said, you can choose to get your Daniel on. You can choose to kind of try to stand the way Daniel stood and do the things that Daniel did and try to have that integrity that he and his friends displayed. I said, you can get your Daniel on on this side, or you can get your Nebuchadnezzar on. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to change his ways. He's going he's gonna to flip-flop every moment. Maybe he'll throw you in the fire. Maybe he'll, you'll find favor in his sight. You can get your Daniel on, or you can get your crazy King Nebuchadnezzar on. You can get your Daniel on, hmm. or you can get your King Nebuchadnezzar on. Now, by a show of hands, Raise your hands if in that situation you would choose Daniel. Raise your hand if you're going to get your Daniel on. Let me see where my Daniel's at. All right. You okay? You like some? All right. All right. All right. Now, raise your hands if you're going to get your Nebuchadnezzar on. Oh, we got a few Nebuchadnezzars. Okay. Lord, I just want to pray for you to bless them back there. They need you the most, Jesus. Yes, they do. Hey, yes, they do. <laughs> How many of y'all are like... I'm not raising my hand no matter what you say, sir. Okay, I get that. I get that. I understand. Here's the thing. I think ideally, ideally, we all, when we're not trying to be funny, come on, we all would probably choose to try to be as much like Daniel as we could. We would. Daniel and his friends, they're good young men. They honor the Lord. 
They stand up for what God wants them to do. They try their best. And not only are they standing up in moments of hard, but God is using them to change a whole culture. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine God using you to change a whole culture? It might not be a whole kingdom, but what if it's a culture? What if it's a friend group? What if it's a chat group? What if it's an online community that God uses you to change? What if it's a sports team? What if it's your recital? What if it's, what are the things that God might use you to do? And the thing about it is, as much as we would like to say, all right, I'm ready to get my Daniel on, there's a huge propensity in all of us to get our Daniel on. But we'd be shortchanged if we didn't acknowledge the propensity in all of us to get our Nebuchadnezzar on. And what I mean by that is, as much as we have the ability to obey God, as much as we have the ability to do what God created us and called us to do, family, we have to understand that we have a sin nature inside of us. We have a nature inside of us that causes us to build many statues to ourselves in our lives. A sin nature that, that causes us to do things that are just for us. But before we get all the way there, I got to show you this journey of Nebuchadnezzar. Because here's what some of us do when we get our Nebuchadnezzar on. And as we get ready to do this, I'm going to invite you. Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. I want to pray for us. Father, oh, we love you, Lord. And we thank you that you've brought us together for such a time as this. And as a family, as a family, we come before you and we ask that you would have your way tonight. Will you comfort us? Will you be with us? Will you reveal to us all that you need us to see and know that we would become better followers of you? We believe it, we receive it, and we thank you for it in advance, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, let me hear you say amen. 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 So I got you to Daniel chapter 4, um, and I'm going to do a little bit of revision as we look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 47, because what I want us to see is I want us to see how we sometimes can get our Nebuchadnezzar on. Now, this is what is happening in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 47. It says this, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Oh, remember last night how we talked about who you hang with matters? When, when God promoted Daniel, what did Daniel do? He went back to his boys. He said, hey, fellas, let's go. 
Come on, when God God said, Daniel, I'm raising you up in the king's eyes, Daniel said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, y'all ready? Let's roll. I love it. I love it. I love it. And together, together God is using them in high positions in a culture that is hostile to them to change it. From the inside out. So this is King Nebuchadnezzar's, one of his reactions to a move of God. He gets excited. Oh my goodness, your God is awesome. Your God is the best God. Your God is the God of all gods. And because your God is the best God, I'm going to give you all of these things. This is King Nebuchadnezzar's journey. Check this out, Daniel 3, 28. We just saw King Nebuchadnezzar throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And let me give you a quick test. How many times was it heated up? Oh, my Lord Jesus. Y'all paying attention out here. It was seven times. It's never been hotter as hot as that. It was seven times hotter. And when God shows up and saves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he doesn't just save them. He gets in the fire, and they dancing in the fire together. They're like, mm, yeah, yeah, we in the fire. I love it. I love it. I love it. Daniel 3.28 says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Oh, again, King Nebuchadnezzar has a moment where he encounters the living God. He has a moment where he encounters this God who is the creator of all things, who is sovereign, who is good, who is the boss, who has all things under control. And when Nebuchadnezzar encounters this God, he can't help but be like, dang, that's crazy. Your God is God. And it keeps happening. He keeps having these moments. Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree in Daniel 4, 1 through 3, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar's to the nation and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. He said, it is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That wasn't Daniel saying that. That was King Nebuchadnezzar, y'all. The king who made the 90-foot statue to himself stepped back, observed it, and said, "Mm, kiss myself. Like this is the king Now talking about the one true God. See, this is where all of us have the propensity to get our Nebuchadnezzar on. And what I mean by that is we have encounters with God. Oh, we have mountaintop experience with God. Worship. Woo, let's go. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. We worship you. We have these moments, and all of you are having moments with God. You are encountering God in ways that maybe you've never encountered him before. You're having discussions about things that you've never talked about before, and you're seeing God move. 
And it's easy when you see him move to say, Woo, let's go, Jesus. Ooh, the Lord is good. Oh, that's a good word. Hallelujah. Let's go. But after every moment that Nebuchadnezzar has a moment of encounter with the one true God, he goes back to doing the things he used to do. He goes right back to doing the things he used to do. He goes right back to the worship. And here's the thing, family. With us, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy for us to put on a Christian smile, to put on a Christian face. Some of y'all, ooh, look at y'all. Y'all are so good. Some of y'all know exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it. You got the, those two scriptures that you know that every, anybody asks you these scriptures, you got to know it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave all. You know, like he gave his only begotten son so that all, you know the scriptures. You know how to do it. You know how to do it. You know how to do it. I love the Lord because he doesn't call us to just know how to do it. He calls us to be in relationship with him. Oh, family, this is how real a relationship with the Lord can get. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's bananas right there. See, this is where the scriptures get real, y'all. This is, ooh. Sometimes you can kind of pick and be like, ooh, this is a love scripture. Ooh, this script, the Lord looks at me, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. Mm, thank ya. Oh, but then this scripture comes up. And this scripture says, some of y'all been acting like you know me, but the way your life is, it doesn't show me that you know me. And he says this. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, this is one of my fears, y'all. This is one of my fears. Because I, I know that I love the Lord. And the more you read the scriptures and the more we, we read the scriptures and the more we see, see, see I, I, I want you to, to, to not see this as a boring book of historical facts, but this is in fact our way to get to know the God who created us. This, this is how we get to know God. This is how we, and in getting to know God, this is how we get to know ourselves. And the more you get to know God, the more you get to know yourself. And can I keep it real with y'all? Safe space, hallelujah. I'm super needy. Look at the person next to you and say, you needy too. Just so I'm not alone in the neediness, okay? Just so I'm not alone in the neediness. I am super needy. And here's what I mean by this. Here's what I mean by I'm super needy. I'm super needy because here's what I need from the Lord. I need to know that the Lord likes me. I need to know that the Lord loves me. Because those are two things that I struggle with so often in my life. Am I liked? Am I loved? 
These are things that I struggle with so often in my life. And I know some of you sitting there, you struggle with the same things at times. Am I liked? Am I loved? And so you do things to get people to like you, to get people to love you, to get people to show you those things. And I'm here to tell you that our God, he sees us right where we are. He meets us right where we are. He likes us and he loves us, but he wants us to truly understand our need for him. You see, it's not enough to acknowledge God without acknowledging our need for him. Oh, see, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, it seemed like he had no need for God. I don't need God until a dream comes and he can't interpret it. Seems like I don't, I don't need God until, until something happens and you don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to you. And then we call on the name of the Lord. The more we see God, the more we see ourselves and our need for God. And so that brings us to where I brought you to at the beginning, Daniel 4, 27. Therefore, your majesty, this is what Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar. He, 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 he has these moments, these highs, and he wants to worship God. But this is what Daniel says. If you want to continue to be blessed by the Lord, Daniel says this. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Daniel 4, 27. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. What Daniel is saying to the king is he's saying it's not enough for you to acknowledge with your mouth. See, that's this, I love this because this is glory also. Like, hallelujah, it's not enough for us to just say hallelujah, hallelujah. Are we doing the things in our lives so that God can get glory out of our lives? Are we surrendering the things to him? Are we coming to him just as we are? And here's the thing. You have to understand how you are and how I am. This is, this is an awesome stat. The state of theology reveals that in this survey that 14% of 18 to 34-year-old evangelicals strongly disagree with this statement. Everyone sins a little but most people are good by nature. That means 65% either somewhat agree or strongly agree with this statement. I'll say it again. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Oh, that sounds so nice. Oh, it sounds so um, unifying. It sounds so loving. Everyone sins a little. But for the most part, everyone's good. Amen? No amen to that. No amen to that. Hey, 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 that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says about us. See, here's the reality. The Bible is so honest about our God. And where the Bible is so honest about our God, it is crucially honest about us. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. That word flesh means our sin nature. And following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of 
wrath. Mm, you're not as good as you thought you were. Okay, I know. Look, I, we friends. I don't know y'all like that. My bad. Okay, y'all are saints. Y'all are angels. I'll flip it on myself. I'm not as good as I thought you were, thought I was. Hey, I'm not as good as you think I am because I know the reality of me. I know the makeup of me, and I know that I need Jesus because of this sin nature that we all have, and it happened in the beginning, and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin nature came into all of us, and so we naturally inherit a sin nature. That's what the Bible says. So the Bible actually tells us that people are not naturally good. Truth. People are not naturally good. But we naturally want what pleases us. We naturally want our stuff. Here's, okay, I'm gonna, okay, because y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Y'all like, okay, sir, get out of here. But let me tell you, let me show you. I have four kids. I have four of these beautiful kids that I love with all my heart. And they are absolutely amazing. Do you know what I had to teach my kids? I had to teach my kids how to say thank you. Mm-hmm. I know some of y'all just came out and y'all was like, mm, thank you, huh? Nope. Not my children. I had to teach them how to say thank you. I had to teach them how to say please. I had to teach them concepts like sharing. Oh, and y'all looking at me, your parents had to teach you the same things. You know what we don't have to teach our kids? Mine. Mm, kids come out, mine. Look at their mama, mine. That toy, mine. That right there, mine. All of it, mine. Give it to me, mine, 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 mine. We don't have to, I, none of y'all had to be taught how to say mine. But you had to be taught how to say please, how to say thank you, how to share something. Oh, that's that sin nature in us. That's what it is, fam. And it's cute when it's in a baby. It's like, oh, the little baby just snatched my lip. Oh, that's so cute. Just, okay, hey, it's a cute little baby. Why that baby grab my toys like that? Like, and it's, it gets so awesome when it's two siblings and the baby's like, this is mine. And the, and the other sibling that's just a little older is like, no, it's not. It's mine. And then you see them go at it. And then the older sibling does something to the baby. And you're like, oh, my goodness, how could you do that? Mine. Mine. Mine, 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 mine. We all had to be taught how to say thank you, how to say please. But, but, but I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have to be taught how to try to look after myself and get my own thing. I didn't, I didn't even have to be taught how to lie. Mm. I got a little sister, y'all. Yes, I do. I am the second to the youngest, so I barely miss the most privileged spot of children. 
barely, I barely missed it. The most privileged spot of the children's birthness is that last child. Oh, yeah, get out of town. Because look, look, the first child. I bless all of you firstborns. My son, my firstborn, yes. You got your parents when they didn't know what they were doing. They were overprotective. They were, they didn't know what was happening. They was trying to sleep, trying to get you fed, trying to do, they bumped your head a few times. They kind of put the thing around you. They like, okay, nothing will happen to you. You are good. Hallelujah. They went in too hard on you sometimes. And then that middle child, they got a little lenient. Oh, it's just dirt. Let them eat it. It's all good. Just let them eat the dirt a little bit. It's all good. It's very delicious. It's very delicious and nutritious. And the last child is like, where they at? First child, go watch your, your, the, watch your, your last born child. But they're not my child. Go watch them and do what I said. And because the firstborn always follows the rule. Okay, I got you. I'm going. I love my firstborn. I love all my kids. I love all my kids. But I got a little sister. And my little sister, she always did me dirty. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to tell you. Now, she's not here to defend herself, so I will try to make her look as good as I possibly can. But my little sister, here's, I was, I was greedy. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I was greedy. And my little sister would always, like, save her food up at dinner. She'd save her food up. Wouldn't want to. And there was a time, there was, there was a, a time where um, we had hot dogs, hot dogs. And my sister wasn't going to eat her hot dog. And so I was like, Bianca, can I have your hot dog? No. Bianca, are you going to eat it? No. Can I have your hot dog? No. Okay. All right. Fine then. Okay. No. Bianca, can I have your hot dog? You aren't going to eat it. You've walked away from the table multiple times. Can I please have your hot dog? Do you know what this girl did to me? She picked the hot dog up and threw it in my face. Y'all laughing a little too hard. Y'all laughing a little too hard. My little sister did that to me. And then she started crying. My mom runs into the room. What you do to your little sister? I just wanted her hot dog. That's all I wanted. I just wanted her hot dog. Okay, but look, okay, watch this. Watch this, though. I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to be completely honest. I left out the part where I would jack her food from, I'm sorry, where I would take her food without her knowing. I would steal her food at any given moment and just eat it behind her back. See, I left that part out. I left that part out. I was good. I was like, I left that part out because I, I left out the part where I did something wrong that also provoked her to do something wrong. Oh, it's that sin nature in us, y'all. It's that sin nature in us. And so now I just want to take a few moments and I want to tell you the truth about sin. I want to tell you the truth about sin, and if you take notes, write these things down. They'll be on the screen. A definition of sin, which we all have, we all struggle with. The Word of God tells us all have sinned. All have sinned. I don't care how good you think you are, you have sinned. Let me give you this definition. The failure of a man to measure up sin is the failure of a man 
to measure up to God's perfect standard of righteousness, whether in thought, word, or deed. Sin, the failure of man, humankind, us, to measure up to God's perfect standard of righteousness, whether in thought, word, or deed. Oh, this is what I love about our faith. This is what I love about our faith. It puts all of us on the same level. We all struggle with sin. We all have a sin nature. We're the ones that try to elevate this over this, over this, over this, over this. When God is just like, y'all are sinners. You, none of you, no matter how hard you try, none of you can jump through enough hoops to measure up to my perfect standard of righteousness. It was lost in the beginning. It was lost in the beginning. So sin, and if you take notes, write this down, is to miss the mark. Sin is to miss the mark. Sin is to miss the mark. God's standard is the mark, and when we sin, we miss that mark. Now remember, it's thought, word, or deed, so everything's covered. If you thought it, maybe it was a sin. If you do it and it's wrong, it's a sin. And and sometimes our faith and our hope, it can seem hopeless because it's like, when am I not sinning? When is, oh, I got good news I'm going to share with you tomorrow. Hallelujah. It is to miss the mark. And I'm going to challenge you guys tonight. We have been having a good time. I have enjoyed sharing God's word with you. But now I got to challenge you. Above and beyond the laughter, above and beyond because, because you're old enough, you're old enough. It's no longer, it's no longer my, my mom's faith, my dad's faith, my, 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 my youth pastor's faith. It's time for you to grab it and say, it's my faith. And in order to truly do that, you have to understand and know that you and I have a nature that is hostile towards God. It's hostile, the sin nature. It's hostile towards God and it's pro us. It's pro like just you you do whatever you need to do to look good. You do da, 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 like but God is like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's an upside down kingdom. So sin is missing the mark. Sin, if you take notes, write this down, separates us from God. And that's what happened in the beginning. It was separation from God. And here's something that I just want you to to grab hold of about sin. Sin, it takes you further than you want to go. It costs you more than you want to pay. And keeps you longer than you want to stay. Oh, that's sin. That's sin. That is sin. It takes you further than you want to go. You never thought you would be doing the things that you're doing, but all of a sudden you're doing it. It takes you further than you want to go. It costs you more than you're willing to pay. You didn't know it was going to cost you friendships. You didn't know it was going to cost you your integrity. You didn't know it was going to cost you peace in your life. You didn't know know it was going to cost you the things that you didn't want to pay, and now you're stuck, and it's longer than you thought. Sin keeps us longer than we want 
to stay. Without God, you and I will be dead in our sins. Without God, you and I, we would be absolutely dead in our sins. And here's the challenge for you, young men and women of God. My challenge for you tonight is to sit in it. To sit in the reality of who we can be. The sin nature inside of us. And, and, and when, you're in your, when you're in your small groups tonight and you're talking to your youth leaders and your youth pastors, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about the struggles. And I want to challenge somebody to go first in confession because that's what King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't able to do. He wasn't able to lift his hands and get on his knees and surrender everything to his God, to the one true God. And I wish I could sit here and say, hey, we got a nice little bow we're going to put on this thing tonight. Ah, this bow is just a little bit uncomfortable. This one is just a little bit uncomfortable because sometimes we have to sit with the reality of ourselves and the struggles that we have and ask people to pray for us and ask people to come alongside of us and help us. Because the reality is, our Lord is a God who makes a way out of no way. And where our sin can sometimes be big, and it can look like a 90-foot statue in front of us. Oh, I'm here to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ that came to the earth. And said, I got you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Stand up with me. And I want to invite you to come up to the front with me here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if I could take the opportunity, if I could take the opportunity to pray, and if I could take the opportunity to look at every single one of you in your faces and encourage you in this, we have a sin nature. It doesn't matter how good you think the person is around you, we all struggle. It's a part of our makeup. It's hostile towards God. Oh, but can I tell you, family, that you are not alone in that fire? Can I tell you, family, that when our sin wants to say, my will, my way, my time, the Spirit of God inside of us comes and says, God, your will your way, your time. So we're going to leave on this fact. We have a sin nature. 
But the reality of who you and I are in Christ Jesus is simply this. We are his. Oh, I just want you to know that we are his. 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 Do we make mistakes? Yes, we are his. Do we have a sin nature? Yes, we are his. We are his. I'm going to make it personal. You are his. Oh, do you struggle with fear? Ha ha, it's okay. You are his. Are you anxious sometimes? I get it. You are his. Does depression seem to follow you wherever you go? Okay, you are his. Did you make a mistake before you came up the mountain? Yes, okay, you are his. You are his, you are his, you are his. Now we come to him and we say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. And then we let him do what only he can do. Bow your hands, lift your hands with me to heaven. And I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. And I just want to invite you to worship God in this moment. Because you are fully known and fully loved by him. So, Lord, we worship you right now. We worship you as a family. And we thank you that you see us fully. You see us in the mistakes that we have made. And you tell us that there's this thing inside of us, this sin nature, that we can't get rid of on our own. But we thank you that you are a God who makes a way where there is no way. So, Lord, we worship you right now. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Ah. And we thank you that you see in us what we can't see in ourselves at times. And that might be the word for somebody tonight. God sees in you what you can't see in yourself. Thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we worship together? Is that cool? Can we worship God together? Let's give God some praise, y'all. Hallelujah.